0: Welcome to the How to Survive a Horror Movie podcast, where we learn how to survive horror movies and maybe how to survive life. I'm your host, Ryan Stacy, and today we're going back in time to 1960. We're actually going to do a good movie on this podcast today. We're talking about Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock's classic.
1: We all go a little mad
0: sometimes. And I'm joined by our Psycho correspondent, Nick Gimon, And that is a reference to the movie series, Not His State of Mind. Mr. Gimon, how are you doing?
1: Oh, I want to preface It's a little bit of A and a little bit of B. But okay. I, I, I appreciate, yes, I, I am a big Alfred Hitchcock guy. And I am always looking for an excuse to rewatch Psycho. Hell yeah.
0: So, yeah, I, I didn't know if you'd seen Psycho before. I couldn't remember. I know we talked about this before. Oh. I just couldn't remember. It's a classic. I've seen it a bunch of times. It's been a few years, but mm-hmm. love the movie.
1: It includes some of the most iconic horror movie shots of all time. Obviously, we'll talk about it. Shower scene's a yep. big one. The ending scene the with Norman Bates. The twi- The twists are unreal. It's This is as far back in horror as I go you are probably more of a connoisseur and can think of movies in the 40s and 50s, but 1960 is kind of yeah. the furthest I go back and the earliest horror movie that I I have watched and has like
0: influenced me. Probably Nosferatu for me is probably my oldest one, which is one okay. of the earliest, but I love the Universal Monster movies, which will 100% cover on here someday. So. Oh, um, for sure. But Psycho's great. Um, So just get this out of the way. Spoilers, if you haven't seen Psycho... Seriously, please, please, for the love of God, stop this podcast and go watch it. There is a big twist to this movie. And and honestly, most of you probably know it. But um, my good friend and uh, regular uh, correspondent on this podcast, Derek Kubitschek, his wife was watching the TV show based off this movie, Bates Mm -hmm. Motel. I was talking to her. She didn't know the twist from Psycho. She'd never seen Psycho. She didn't know the twist. So there are people out there who don't know the twist. Mm -hmm. If you are one of them, go watch Psycho. Come back and listen to this. I really, really implore you. And
1: even, I I would say, agree that you can probably watch Bates Motel and still not, like, give away all of the spoilers in the original from the 1960. But if you have the choice, if you are looking to watch something in this little cinematic universe, go watch the original before you watch the Netflix show that kind of expands upon it. Yep. And then there's also three, three sequels. And a remake
0: in this series, which we'll get to. Uh, I got to say, the sequels are all pretty good. They all have uh, Anthony Perkins
1: in them. Okay. He even directs the third one. Really? Yep. He plays both a main character and directs? And the other fun part of the
0: third one is my favorite character on the TV show Lost, which is my favorite TV show of all time, Frank Lapidus. Actor Mm. Jeff Fahey is in Psycho 3. Is he? Yep. In
1: a big role? Yeah.
0: Uh, One of the big three leads in Psycho 3, I'd say. Uh, So that's fun. Uh, Solid series. The remake sucks, Uh, but the rest of it is fun. I've not seen Bates Motel, but Psycho 1 is a great, great movie. Classic. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely.
0: So the point of this podcast is we're trying to create a master list of rules to survive any all horror movies, no matter what year they come out. Um, So we're going to be going through the plot of Psycho beat by beat, decision by decision to see if we need to add any new rules to our current list of 61 rules, which you can check out. Still temporarily, probably on our Twitter account at (laughs) how to horror, how the number two horror. We'll see how long Twitter survives and I'll keep you updated if anything happens with Twitter where we're going to move to. But for now, we're still on Twitter. So spoiler alert for Psycho. Uh, you ready to jump into this dude? Yeah, let's do it. All right. The movie begins in Phoenix, Arizona. We are introduced to Sam and Marion. Marion Crane is a secretary at like a real estate company. She is played by Janet Lee who is the mother of Jamie Lee Curtis. And last time she was, in a, she was in Halloween 7 in a cameo appearance last time we saw her on this podcast. And then Sam, his name is Sam Loomis, who which is one of the most famous names in horror. You know, people, Dr. Loomis from Halloween, Billy Loomis from Scream, all of those names are references to Sam Loomis from Psycho. Mm-hmm.
1: That's where all this starts. I didn't know either of those facts. You're welcome. I did. I'm glad I learned something today.
0: <laughs> so they are, you know, this is 1960, so they, they are not married there, so they are having a scandalous affair in secret. They meet up in skeevy hotel rooms to have a little uh, uh, private time. little um, afternoon delight. little afternoon delight. Marion really wants to get married, and she wants to be in a respectable relationship. But Sam is divorced, paying alimony. He has a ton of debts. He lives in the back of his store. He's in no shape to get married financially. He says once he can do that, they'll get married. But until then, he can't put Marion through that, even though she wants to. So that's that's what these characters start off with. And Sam lives out in California, and she lives here in Phoenix. So she goes back to work. This is all over lunch, a little quick uh, afternoon delight over her lunch Mm -hmm. break. And uh, she goes back to work for a guy named Mr. Lowry, and he is just getting back from a business meeting with a guy named Mr. Cassidy. And Mr. Cassidy is buying a big property for like forty thousand dollars to give his daughter as a wedding present. So Mr. Cassidy is a rich fuck.
1: He is, and a very classic like nineteen sixty creepy, verging on sexist uh, yep. portrayal of a of a big big businessman from. 70 years ago
0: yeah he's drunk already and he's hitting on marion he's just kind of a creep barely in the movie but you know he leaves an impression he does so he's got 40 grand in cash with him and he's like ah, i only care what i can afford to lose jesus he, fuck you dude <laughs> I, w-
1: <laughs> I wish i could carry 40 grand around uh, typical i and i didn't do the math beforehand but in 1960 that's got to be close to half a million dollars yeah
0: man even today, what I wouldn't do for 40 grand.
1: <laughs> I know, just to carry around a few bills in your pocket.
0: I might risk going to the Bates Motel for 40 grand. You might as well. <laughs> so Mr. Lowry, he wants a check instead, but Mr. Cash, he's like, no, nah, it's fine. So Mr. Lowry's like, all right, we're just going to put this in the bank in a safety deposit box until Monday. Once you've sobered up, then we'll get a check from him. But we'll just we'll keep the cash in, in the safety deposit box until then because we, we don't want to deal with cash. So he's like, all right, Marion, please go take this to the bank. Put it in the safety deposit box. I, I guess she's worked for Mr. Lowry for 10 years. So I guess there is some level of trust there. But still, trusting your employee to carry 40 grand to the bank. Bold
1: move. They must have some sort of working relationship because I don't I can't name one person that I work with that I would trust just to give that much money to. And I wouldn't want my bosses to trust me with that amount of money. Because no. like Marion, I would probably be tempted to make bad decisions.
0: Oh, 100%. I think everybody in their right mind would be tempted.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: I think my bosses would tell me to my face they wouldn't trust me with $40,000. And I'd be like, you know what? I don't blame you.
1: <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's
0: absolutely fair. I don't get paid enough to be trusted with
1: $40,000. <laughs> no, I'm going to go and take a year off of work and go <laughs> hang out.
0: So Marion, she is tempted, and she is actually going to go through with this. She decides to flee town, run away, go see Sam with the $40,000, and they're going to go run off somewhere and start their happy lives together.
1: Which includes a very awkward scene uh, when Marion, so after she packs her suitcase and leaves, she sees her boss crossing the street as she's driving away, which uh, hilarious. he— he he has about seven emotions that cross his face during yep. this interaction, but ends with "Oh, I guess this is normal," and just walks away. Yeah, because she had asked for the
0: rest of the afternoon off because she had a headache, so she went mm-hmm. home to you know stop at the bank and then go home. But she just went straight home to pack and and run. Rule four: Don't be a menace. Don't be stealing from your employer. That's bad.
1: No, it's it's not gonna. It's not. It usually doesn't end well for you.
0: So, when she's leaving town, Mr. Lowry, Mr. Cassidy cross the sidewalk in front of her, and Lowry sees her. At that point, if I'm Marion, I I back out on this and I just go straight to the bank and drop that off.
1: Yeah. Now, something your story is kind of starting to unravel a little bit, even if it's in the smallest detail. But I think if Marion was a true, more hardened criminal and not like a first time act out of love thing, this would have been her red flag to say, let's stop. We need to rework this plan. But since she's apparently first this timer. is the first like big thing she's done, she just kind of pushes it off and says, you know what? I got away with it. This interaction went fine. Let's keep driving.
0: Yeah, I-, I think she panics a little bit. Rule 10, don't panic. Yeah. But yeah, this is a sign from above not to do this.
1: Yeah, this is your first out. Yep.
0: So she drives all night and ends up pulling over for the night on just a side road and sleeping. A highway patrol officer finds her, knocks on the door. She immediately tries to start up the car to run away. Um, I'll just say it's a good thing she is a white woman because if she yes. wasn't, I don't think she would have survived.
1: Yes. In the 60s especially, yep. I think being a pretty white woman is is your best defense. And <laughs> if you looked like anything else... This would have ended very differently.
0: The movie would be over already. Yes. So she's acting so suspicious. Very weird. Yeah. And we have a rule about this. Rule 43 is tread cautiously when dealing with the police.
1: Yes. In which, in which she is, on to give her credit, is pretty good. She's like, hey, am I arrested for anything? Like, yep. have I broken any laws? Can I go? She doesn't try and give a gigantic backstory about what she's doing she's just like oh you know what bad weather i decided i was getting drowsy i slept on the side of the road is what it is can i leave all that is fine but then
0: she's like i'm in a hurry can i go can i go and it's like okay just,
1: just that's chill. when it gets
0: weird yeah so uh the cop is super suspicious of her and he's gonna follow her for a little bit after he lets her go mm-hmm. and she is gonna be like okay i should trade in my car just get a different car okay Except the cop is going to pull up across the street from the
1: dealership and just watch her, clearly watch her, while she gets a new car. <laughs> just blatant, like, sits there, gets out of his car, and leans against his hood, not even trying to hide the fact that nope. he's there. And she sees him and still decides to go through with this cash transaction for a new vehicle. Yeah,
0: because, like... That dealer is going to have the plates and the vehicle registration number. It's almost pointless to switch cars at this point.
1: Yeah, you've got a paper trail. You have a police officer who has seen you at the scene. You can't really plead to, oh, that wasn't me. Someone must have, you know, whatever your story is. Your whatever move you think you're making right now has already been deemed ineffective. Yeah, go to the next town, go to a different state.
0: Uh, She's in California at this point. This is a California police officer. Go back to New Mexico. Do it there. Do something different. This this plan isn't working. Get out of this guy's jurisdiction and do something
1: different. Yeah, she just loves Sam so much. She can't think about making this plan or like making this work, even if it takes, you know. A few days longer. Something in her head is just telling her, you know what? I'm still going to go ahead. and I need to get to Sam as soon as possible.
0: So while she's driving through the night, Storm comes in. She gets off the main road and ends up finding the Bates Motel. A classy name. Kind of an old, out of the way, not quite run down, just like older motel. And there's a big house behind the hotel up on a hill. Awesome, awesome location. Mm -hmm. And we meet Norman Bates, played by The great Anthony Perkins,
1: a classic, classic, classic horror role or what would would become a very classic horror. Yes,
0: because for a good chunk of this movie, we don't know Norman is the killer. That's the big twist is Norman is the killer, Mm -hmm. but he's got like a split personality disorder where Norman isn't really the killer. It's his mother. He takes on the persona of his mother and she kills everyone. Norman is just a nice, awkward, sensitive guy who had a rough childhood, but Mm -hmm. just seems like a sweetheart otherwise.
1: Yeah. Like from, from all accounts in their first interaction, Marion comes to the hotel, no one's there to greet her. So she honks her horn to get whoever in this big Gothic house out. Norman comes down and he's a very unsus, almost too unsuspecting guy, like big skinny guy, kind of shy, kind of awkward very easy to write off to oh he's nervous he runs this little motel by himself it it is what it is she just needs a room and what's brilliant is you know occasionally we'll look up at the house and we'll see a
0: woman wa- someone walking around wearing women's clothing that's mm-hmm. Norman but we'll also see you know we'll see Norman walk around and then we'll go up to the house and we'll see what appears to be the silhouette of a woman sitting at the window which is mm-hmm. his mother's corpse it's really brilliant how this how it's shot and how the, uh, the story is visually told it just makes you think, Norman, it can't be the killer. He's just an accomplice. Absolutely.
1: At Absolutely, yeah. Especially, like, I don't, I get you know better than I do as far as, like, the history of movie production. But this seemed to hide twists like that better than anyone else was doing at the time. These twists that happen, like, Norman's mother being dead, Norman being the killer... All were very, very, very well hidden throughout the movie until we start to get these other perspectives from Norman and other perspectives from other characters throughout the movie.
0: And then that makes this movie really rewarding on the rewatch. It does. You know what's going on. You know what's going on. So Norman gives her a room. She puts a fake name down in the register and a fake address, but he invites her over. He'll make, he says, I'll make you a sandwich. You know, there's a storm going on. So I'll invite you, you gotta come to my office or come up to the house and we'll, I'll make you some food. But then she hears a big screaming match between Norman and his mother. And it's just Norman doing both voices.
1: It is. And this is our not to poke holes movie, but I guess Marion also has like supersonic hearing <laughs> and can hear these conversations from probably further away than I would expect, but you know, people have good hearing all the time. Yeah. You know, I, it's not out of the realm of possibility. But yes, yes, she hears Norman and Norma having this conversation. Actually, I'm sorry. Is, is her name Norma in this movie um, or is she just referred to as mother? She's just, Her name is Norma, but they, I don't know if they ever say it in the movie, but that okay. is her name. Maybe. I'm checking the
0: cast list right now
1: yeah Norm, like in bates motel and yeah. stuff like her name is norma anyway nor norman and his mother are having this conversation very heated about what sounds like marion herself and among other problems that they have she doesn't want that whore coming into the house that kind of energy yeah and like any sane person marion go goes and has dinner there anyway
0: Well, they have it in the office instead of up in the house. That's true. They do have a nice conversation just about life and like, you know, the the, the prisons people put themselves in. You know, they talk about Norman's mother and Marion's just putting her in like a a mental institution and Norman gets very offended at this, but then he comes back down. Basically, I was looking for like, when is the point that Marion should know she's in a horror movie and not just a thriller? Um, And I don't know if that comes in this conversation. I don't think where we ever quite get there.
1: No, I definitely think it's one of those things, like, when you know what's going to happen over the next hour and a half, it's pretty easy to tell, like, oh, this should have been your sign that something's weird, like, how defensive he gets about, you know, his relationship with his mother, or even looking back to when he signs her into the hotel and puts her in cabin one, there's this kind of, more prolonged pause as he kind of like thinks about what to do in the moment that you can probably knock that off to shy, weird guy, not a big deal. Looking back, that's kind of the moment he decided this isn't going to go your way.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Captain hindsight is 2020, you know?
1: Yes, absolutely. But yeah, as, as you're going through this dinner, it's weird and awkward and kind of defensive at times, especially when you, try to like I don't know Hitchcock then puts in a lot of other you know context around it like Norman's weird fascination with taxidermy yep. and all the birds you kind of you get this feeling we've kind of moved from the point where he's like the shy and awkward guy to he's a little bit weird and like probably not a little normal but we haven't moved to the point that he is a danger to anyone right. else and I think the taxidermy thing,
0: especially when I was a kid, was a lot more lost on me because I, you know, I don't know if this is true for you, but, you know, we grew up in the Midwest and I've been yeah. around people who have like taxidermy animals like mounted on their yeah. shelves all the time. It, it doesn't phase me at all. I don't, I don't hunt or anything or, or really yeah. fish, but it, you know, it's a, it's a normal yeah. thing here.
1: It's out definitely not out of the norm yeah. of like where we grew up and stuff. So we're probably a little more not callous to it but kind of we we think of it as a kind of normal thing yeah but to a larger audience it's definitely a very weird hobby to have yeah definitely I don't know
0: anybody who personally does it but if people had like a bunch of stuff no yeah I wouldn't even think twice yeah absolutely she ends up deciding she's gonna go back to Phoenix return the money and hope this can all be blown over and then she she makes a mistake. She she tells Norman her real name, and Norman checks the log and sees she gave a fake name. That will make it easier for someone to cover this up, potentially. But then she's gonna go back to her room and like undress, and Norman's got a little peephole in his office to to watch.
1: There is quite a bit of voyeurism that goes along in this movie. A big staple point of I guess Norman's character and Hitchcock's directing style in this yeah. movie. A lot a lot of shots are looking in on characters when they don't when they think that they're acting you know with no one else knowing right
0: so here we go marion's gonna go back and take a shower and this is the fame might be like the most famous scene in cinematic history
1: obviously i think i am biased as a big hitchcock guy you are probably biased as a big horror guy but even taking that into consideration like if you don't know, it's one one of maybe the 10 scenes in cinematic history that even if you haven't seen the movie, you know exactly which scene we're talking about yeah. and probably know it in a lot of detail.
0: If anybody has any other suggestions for what is a more famous cinematic scene, I would love to hear it. The only other one that comes to mind is in The Shining, uh, you know, here's Johnny, uh, here's, but that's I still, a good one. I would put Psycho above it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think people could probably uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. What else? There's got to be one from like Halloween or scream or like, I think, I think those are general concepts that are very popular, but I, I don't know if there's a single scene in one of those movies that is as permeated in pop culture as the shower scene. Yeah. In Psycho. I'm, I'm struggling to think of one.
0: So Mary's taking a shower Someone is going to come in. It's Norman. Norman is dressed as his mother is going to come in, rip the shower curtain aside and stab Marion to death. Like words, words can't do it justice for how awesome this scene is.
1: It's great. Even especially for it. Like, I mean, just looking from a horror movie perspective, like it isn't a gruesome scene. It's shot very different since it was obviously made a very long time ago. The scene stands alone by itself as awesome. But then when you also put it in the context of this was directed in the late 50s, released in 1960, like this kind of scene was unheard of. Psycho changed everything. It did. And one of even one of the big reasons it was shot in black and white is because Hitchcock thought a bunch of red blood in the shower scene would have sent people over the edge. This was already pushing the envelope. Putting this into color would have been something that probably would have made it hard to release the movie altogether.
0: You know, we already have couples having an affair. Uh, It's the first mainstream film to ever show a toilet on film. So we have toilets. Is it? Yep. Yep. Toil- yep.
1: Toilets are racy.
0: Yep. You know, murder and mayhem and all this stuff. Yeah, you know. Murder,
1: lots of lots of both women in bras and Sam Loomis yep. shirtless. A lot of sex stealing and murder going yep. on in this movie that is not common for the time period.
0: You know, not something you'd see in, you know, classic America 1950s.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah, so you don't you don't see a lot of newsies talking about uh about all this going on. But yeah, so she gets stabbed to death in in the shower. She kind of falls down in the shower. She does the classic grabbing the curtain and it kind of rips it off and it drapes over her as she lays in the bathroom dead. Eyes wide open. All right. So Marion
0: is dead. By the time she knew she was in a horror movie, there was already a knife inside of her. So the only rule I really have for Marion is don't be a menace. If she hadn't stolen money, she wouldn't have been in this situation.
1: I agree. The whole movie so far has been shot from her point of view. Yeah. So it's it's very easy to make her out to she should have done better to this point. Looking back again on rewatch, you're like, there were more signs. You probably should have done these things differently. But as she's acting in the moment, I don't think she acts totally unreasonable no. ex- ex- except for with with the big caveat being if she hadn't stolen the money in the first place but then we'd have none no movie. Of this would have happened but then we would have had no movie yes you gotta have something at the beginning to kick something things off. something has to go
0: wrong someone has to do it you know that's the kind of movies horror movies i like is typically there's one bad decision made at the beginning of the movie and then fallout yes that's that's how i if i was gonna write a horror movie that's how i would do it everything falls off from one bad call
1: yeah i think it's less it's less rewarding in a movie when it's like a small decision that you make another like smaller bad decision then you make a bit another little bit bigger bad decision and then there's this trail of you know you had so many opportunities to correct yourself and you didn't this is kind of the opposite where you start one big mistake And then you do your best to try and like make it work, but you can't, you can't overcome it. Like it, once you made that decision, things were going to go badly for you.
0: Yep. She just drove to the wrong motel. Shame. So Norman goes back up to the house and we we don't see any of this because it's still the big twist. We think it's his mom, but Norman's going to come back down dressed as Norman and find the crime scene, be shocked and horrified, clean the whole thing up, put the body, all of her stuff and the money, <laughs> he doesn't know she's got the money, put all that in her car and drive the car into the swamp.
1: Mm-hmm. Away it goes.
0: Yeah, that's like the first 45 minutes of the movie, and what we thought was our main protagonist is dead.
1: Just done. some, one one of the, you know, obviously we already said the whole movie to this point is shot from her point of view, but we also don't know that many characters at this point. No. So it's, it's almost like starting the movie over again. Like... And we're going to do it again cuz Arbogast
0: yes. is set up as our our next yes. protagonist. Like so we're we're going to we're going to cut to uh, Sam's store, which is about 15 minutes, 15 miles away from Bates Motel. Marion's Sister Lila is going to arrive at Sam's store, and Arbogast was following her, and Arbogast is a private investigator who's hired by Mr. Cassidy to find the money. And they're all kind of, you know, Sam has no idea what's going on. So, you know, they end up filling him in and Arbogast is going to be like, all right, I don't think these two are involved. But, you know, I think Marion is around. She's probably at a hotel around here. I'm going to go check all the hotels. And so Arbogast is kind of our new protagonist and he's going to die in about a half an hour. He does not have long. No, it's wild. The structure of this movie is crazy. I love it, but it's crazy. Mm -hmm.
1: It keeps you on your toes for sure.
0: So Arbogast is eventually going to make his way to the Bates Motel and talk to Norman. Norman's going to try and lie and say, nope, we haven't had anybody here for weeks. And he's going to keep contradicting himself. But eventually Arbogast is going to figure out, yes, Marion was here under a different name. I got a handwriting sample. She filled out this fake name. She was here. Norman's going to come clean and say, hey, yeah, she was here. And then she left. That's it. End of story. Mm hmm. Super suspicious, Arbogast does not buy this for a second. He's like, yeah, something's up here. I don't know what it is, but something's up. Yeah. So Arbogast is going to call back to Lila and Sam because he wanted to talk to Norman's mother and Norman refused. So he's like, all right, Sam, Lila, here's the dealio. I'm going to go try and talk to the mom, get some information from her. I'll be back in like an hour and we'll we'll talk again and figure out what's going on. So Arbogast is going to go into the house alone he's gonna wait till norman's out of the way and he's gonna go head up to the house he doesn't announce himself he doesn't knock he doesn't have a warrant he just goes right in if you go back to an early episode of the podcast uh, the the texas chainsaw massacre podcast which you were supposed to be on until you got sick yeah that sounds about right (laughs) the texas chainsaw massacre podcast that whole movie is about stupid teenagers walking into someone's house in texas and getting killed in self-defense basically that's the whole point of that movie (laughs) and the same thing happens here Arbergas is going to walk into this house go upstairs and norman dressed as his mother is going to come out and stab him to death and he's going to fall down the stairs and die and
1: mm-hmm. in, in a very very dramatic fashion yeah almost tripping down the stairs yeah it doesn't look great i don't i don't love this but it's it's funny and it's a it's still a good scene because at this yeah. point like obviously we're talking that We know it's Norman dressed as his mother, but the movie is shot in a way that it hides the killer's face. All you kind of see is this like old, like kind of gray hair in a a gown. It's from above. They're wearing a gown with a knife, you know, held above the head. But yeah, Arbogast doesn't make the logical or legal move here. No. And it, it leads to him quickly dying so he's he's a pro this guy's been around the block and he's gonna do this
0: anyway rule number three is do your damn job but don't die in the process first of all
1: it's it's easy if you I mean even you know being a private investigator you probably skirt the rules a little bit but you should also know when it's worth to skirt those rules if you're after the last interaction if your kind of thought is that something's up with Norman you know this house is weird I'm gonna wait to go in there alone without you know backup or not having any sort of yeah. measure to defend yourself i don't want to say you're asking for it but you're kind of asking for it yeah it, you know rule four don't be a menace
0: but you know yeah. I think the biggest one here is rule number 32 is play stupid
1: games win stupid prizes absolutely what were you expecting to get out of this ever yeah,
0: that, that is- Self-defense, basically, you know, if if nothing else had happened, let's say, you know, Mm Marion wasn't here. This is this is just him going in and getting killed. They have like a a self-defense argument they could make. Mm -hmm. If I were Arbogast, I think the right move is maybe like go hide in like the trees and just observe for a while. Just watch, you know, stay hidden and just watch.
1: Do something. Don't don't throw yourself in there right away. Overall, Arbogast could have could have done better. Oh, yeah. And if he had, maybe he would have been our protagonist for longer than less than a third of the movie.
0: Yeah. yeah, It's about a half an hour from when he gets introduced to when he dies, approximately.
1: Very, very quickly. So we're finally into the last
0: portion of the movie. Just Lila and Sam are the protagonists of this one. So it's been... You know, Arbogast is supposed to meet them in an hour. It's been three. They're worried. Sam is going to go check out the motel on his own. He's going to make Lila hang back and wait around. You know, some weirds going on. Rule 19, don't split up, gang.
1: Let's split up and look for clues. Don't
0: go to do this by yourself. Go together. Why not?
1: Yeah, you might as well. I don't know. It's And it's a very weird interaction as they're deciding, you know, if they should go and who should go. Because originally it's Lila who's like we need to go sam is kind of like uh eh, maybe not yeah. but then she convinces him that yes we should go and then he says you stay back here in case Arbergast comes back like then we can explain the story i'll go and just check it out make sure everything's all right so even though he was unsure and thought it was a bad idea to go he's the one that ends up doing it but nothing's
0: going to happen. He's going to come back and talk to Lila. And they're going to mm-hmm. call the cops. They're going to call the sheriff. Sheriff, uh, what his name is Al Chambers. And they're going to go meet up with him and explain what's going on. He thinks, yeah, you know, Marion's probably still on the run somewhere. And Arbogast went after her. That's it. He does call over there to talk to Norman. Same story. Mm-hmm. But what is interesting is Sam and Lila are like, yeah, he was going to go talk to Norman's mother. And they're like, <laughs> she's been dead for 10 years in a murder-suicide, so... Yeah, I don't think so. So now we know something weird is going on. There's a mysterious woman up at this house, this hotel with Norman. Two people are missing. I think Sam and Lila should know they're in a horror movie now. Like, there's something going on there. Rule one, potential horror movie happening.
1: Yeah, bigger things are happening than just creepy little motel manager. Something, Something's up. And at this point, you don't have a lot of excuses for not thinking that. Right.
0: So we're going to go to the Bates house, and we hear Norman and his mother arguing again. uh Norman wants to hide her in the fruit cellar because he thinks people are going to keep looking for this private investigator. And it's great because we see him from above carrying his mother down the stairs and we know it's just a corpse. It's, it's
1: great. Right. So
0: this this happens off screen, but Al is going to go out to the Bates house and talk to Norman. Don't know if he goes alone or with backup at all. We, we don't see this, but he's like, yeah, no. Uh, he says Arbogast showed up and then left. And that's that's the end of it. And he's like, if you want to file a police report, because the whole idea was Arbogast wanted to keep this, you know, just get the money back keep the police out of it no one gets in trouble
1: mm-hmm.
0: so the police don't there's no police report and al's like if you guys want to file a police report that's probably the next best move get the police involved and we'll, we'll you know take this legally mm-hmm. yeah do that that's great yeah <laughs> yeah that is sound advice i like that's the right move yeah instead uh sam and lila are going to go to the Bates motel together at least they go together but they're going to go do this on their own
1: yeah, you know, they're still trying to take it into their own hands.
0: They're going to pose as husband and wife and go check, get a room and try and find something. Because they know Marion stayed in room one. Arbogast figured that out and told them that. So they're like, all right, mm-hmm. maybe something happened in room one and we'll check that out. So they go check in. Norman gives them room 10. They go check out room one. And they do find a, a note, a p- part of a note that Marion had written at one point. But that doesn't really mean anything because they know Marion stayed there. That, that gives them nothing. So their plan is Sam is going to go talk to Norman and just keep him distracted while Marion runs up to the house and talks to Mrs. Bates.
1: Okay, so we're splitting up, gang? We're splitting up. Sam is going to sit and try and distract for a bit while Lila goes into a house she's never been in, it, trying to find a person she doesn't really know what looks like or who she is or if she exists well i guess she she thinks that she exists at this point but who's allegedly dead but who's yeah exactly and so you're saying i'm gonna find someone who's allegedly dead so either this person isn't or it's a completely different person who i don't know who it is they could be dangerous they could be not overall i i i like the initiative but the plan is bad
0: it's not great, especially for Lila. You know, Sam, it's not so bad because he just stay and talked to Norman.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But the, the line that gets me is she's like, I think I can handle a sickly old woman. It's not a sickly old woman. So you're wrong. Rule 33 is never assume you're safe.
1: Yeah, don't assume you're safe. You're going to bite off more than you can chew. Yep. And again, like you think you're just going in talking to a woman. So you don't have any means to protect yourself when you know this might go wrong.
0: You know, if you're going to do this, at least lock and load rule five
1: something something
0: nope she goes in empty-handed she's gonna go sneak up to the house
1: grab one of those weird taxidermied birds off the sure. wall use that something. Anything. something anything anything is better than nothing
0: so she's looking around the house can't find mrs bates sam talks to norman eventually he gets very accusatory with her like with him he's like hey you're gonna you're gonna you, you need that money you needed money to like, close this place down and go open a new motel right like what are you and your mother up to
1: which is also a weird thing to do while your goal is to buy time. Like if I if I was Sam, I would be sitting down there going like, "Oh, what restaurants are good in town? Do you think it's going to rain?" Just keeping them busy. Yeah. I don't I don't know if your secret plan is to go and talk to his mom. You should start interrogating the guy and starting to get him all riled up thinking that something's going on.
0: The only thing I can think of with Sam here is he's trying to make Norman make a mistake and admit something, sure, um, which is definitely a strategy you could go with
1: when you don't have something else at risk. Yep.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I would build up to that. You know, start with the yeah. weather and all that stuff, and then when you when you run out of stuff to talk about, then you can try that if you still need time. Yeah. So you know, maybe maybe he went in a little too strong. The one thing Sam has going for him is he's a much bigger guy than Norman. He has. But when things do turn physical Norman just knocks him right the fuck out with uh, Easy. like an, a lamp or an ashtray so I couldn't see what it was. Yeah,
1: some something he grabs off the desk, just one one knock in the head and Sam's down for the count.
0: So Norman runs up to the house and Lila sees him coming. So she goes down into the basement and eventually she's going to find the fruit cellar and there's Mrs. Bates with her back to Lila and she's going to go over there, turn around and it's a spooky skeleton.
1: It is a big old spooky skeleton, and she doesn't even get a lot of time to like digest that before this mysterious woman enters the frame and tries to kill her. Well, first
0: she screams, alerting Norman yeah. to her position, which is rule number 26, don't give away your position. So Norman charges into the room dressed as his mother, and, very, and she's got a big knife, he's got a big knife, and then luckily Sam has woken up and Charges in and grabs Norman and uh, disarms him and, you know, pins Mm -hmm. him down and manages to citizens arrest him. So Lila, you know, who knows how Lila would have done with this fight, but she was not armed versus Norman with a knife. But she's very lucky Sam showed up.
1: Yeah, at at this point in the movie, the mystery woman who turns out to be Norman is 2-0. He hasn't lost a battle yet with, with his trusty knife. I don't have high hopes for Lila in this situation yep. if Sam doesn't show up.
0: Yeah, I don't either. I think, you know, I would have bet money on Norman. He took down Arbogast. Yeah. Um, I would have bet money on Norman. We'll never know. We'll never know. But Sam does mm-hmm. take down Norman. And so the final, and the ending of the movie, we go to the police station. And this is, the, I think, the big flaw in this movie, if there is one, is this scene goes on forever. It does. It's five minutes of a psychiatrist explaining, you know, maybe in the 1960s, yeah, we needed some explanation of what's going on. Norman's mom, uh, he Mm -hmm. murdered his mom and then couldn't handle it, took on her personality and his mom's personality Mm -hmm. took over. Great. Cool. 30 seconds. (laughs) Nope. We're going to spend like seven minutes
1: here. This can be explained in a different way. And it's weird. We're like, I don't know. They, I guess the the psychiatrist just knows because he's a psychiatrist, but he... He takes this big, complicated problem, and he can just summarize... Like, he uh, he gets filled in, whatever, by the police. And then he's like, oh, so this this is how it went down. like, Norman, like, had a weird relationship with his mother. He was jealous of her. He assumed that she would be jealous of him. Her personality kind of takes over, and there's no saving him now. Big, big theory. Yep. That is just suddenly explained by a psychiatrist, you know and he really is
0: like chewing the scenery as he explains he's taking his sweet time being overly dramatic like yeah, he's
1: he's waving his arms he he says a big line and then takes out a cigarette and lights it it's uh it's very dramatic yeah he he may only be in the movie the psychiatrist may only be in the movie for a few minutes but he sure tries to milk it as much as possible and that is
0: the one thing the remake improves on is they cut this scene down significantly. Yeah. Yeah, it's much shorter, which is good because that, that is my only problem, really, with this movie is this, mm-hmm. this scene is too long. But it then ends with a Norman sitting by himself and we get an inner monologue, but it's his mother giving the monologue, going, I'm harmless. I wouldn't even hurt that fly that's sitting on mm-hmm. my head. And then the, finally, the movie ends with them uh, towing Marion's car out of the swamp. And that mm-hmm. is the end of Psycho.
1: That is the end of Psycho ending with just going back to iconic scenes in horror movie history. There's probably three, three in this movie, obviously the shower scene is the big one. And then the other two being the scene of Abergast falling down the stairs. And then the third one, the one that just happened here is the end of the movie with Norman covered in a blanket and kind of a holding cell with this creepy smile as he looks up to the camera and his mother's skull kind of like softly overlaid above it before the final scene of the car being towed out yeah. and the ending credits cutting out.
0: Yeah, that's definitely another really iconic one. Talking about, I wouldn't
1: even hurt a fly. Yes, absolutely. Great, Very great creepy. Great stuff.
0: But that is the end of Psycho. I don't really have any new rules here because there isn't a lot of people who know they're in horror movies. There wasn't a lot here for that. Yeah. It's mostly about building suspense and tension. Yeah. So want to get into some awards? Let's do it. So first we have the Randy Meeks merit badge, which goes to character who did the best job at following the rules.
1: There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie.
0: And this one is tough because I think we had three characters who knew they were in a horror movie.
1: Yes, I agree. I think when I was thinking about this, like after I watched the movie, I don't have a good nominee. My best nominee Would probably be the sheriff because he admittedly did the least during the movie, but he did what he was supposed to. Like, he did his job. He's like, hey, here's, you know, this information you probably should have had. You should just file a police report and we can, like, do this a little more safely. He doesn't play a big role in the movie outside of that, but the small things he does are the right things to do. All of the characters making the big decisions in the movie don't do them. Well, yeah.
0: So with the sheriff, I, I really wish we had gotten at least a, a, a scene showing him at the Bates Motel, because if he right. if he goes with backup, it's 100 percent him. If he goes by himself, uh, I'm I'm less on board with that. But we don't get that scene. So we don't know. So we could give it to the sheriff. But I, I want to talk about the big three because uh, we, we just we decided Marion didn't know she was in a horror movie. So the other three, Arbogast, Lila and Sam of those three, I think Sam is the best. He does get himself knocked out, but he is the one to beat Norman in the end.
1: I agree. And I think, for me, him and Lila are kind of inseparable in their motive. Like, their motive is good. Yep. Their plans are like, the steps they take are kind of hit and miss as yep. they grow through the movie. But you're right. In the end, like, Sam's plan might not be perfect, but it was good enough.
0: Yep. So... I guess the question that remains is: Do we give it to Sam or the sheriff? The sheriff was never in the the horror movie part of it on screen. He did go to the Bates Motel, but yeah. we didn't see it. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a little unsure what to do. What are you leaning towards between the
1: two? I am. I could be coerced either way. I think that while the sheriff, he kind of went, you know, he made the quote unquote all the right decisions. Really that was on there's only been one or two decisions in the movie sam on the other hand i mean he made bigger decisions in the movie and had the ones that led up to norman being captured so i think if we're just going overall positive impact i think i think sam's a fine nominee and winner
0: if we had more information on on the sheriff and what just one more scene with him i think we could Mm -hmm. give it to him but i think just because of a lack of information i think we got to go with sam kind of by by default yeah certainly not lila or arbogast no. Sam Loomis is the winner of the Randy Meeks Merit Badge.
1: The one and only.
0: We'll see if he uh, wins it in the
1: remake. We'll see. We'll see.
0: Viggo Mortensen plays him in the remake, so we'll see if he uh, oh, he can pull it off.
1: I'm looking forward to it.
0: Let's move on to Night of the Living Club which goes the character did the worst job at following the rules, of course, based off Barbara from Night of the Living Dead.
1: They're coming to get you, Barbara.
0: Stop it. You're ignorant.
1: They're coming for you, Barbara.
0: It's either Arbogast or Lila, and I'm leaning towards Arbogast
1: yes i would agree i think a heavy nominee or a very strong nominee is marion because but like just how the movies put together like her one really bad decision is what made this all go off she also then while didn't make like she didn't know she was in a horror movie she made bad decisions along the way she's oh, I'm going to go and buy a car for cash while a police (laughs) officer is watching me. Dumb, very dumb, but not like ultimately something that's super unreasonable.
0: And she never knew she was in a horror movie.
1: And she never knew she was in a horror movie. For me, Arbogast is the most unforgivable when it comes to his mistakes. Especially considering his profession. Yes, when you're a private investigator assuming you're from this town i can't remember do they do they say where i he's think he's from? from phoenix so i don't think he's from this okay. town but you know maybe maybe he's so been around the a block. little bit he's been around the block he should know kind of what he should and shouldn't be looking into what he should and shouldn't do and he quickly makes enough bad decisions to take him off the screen yeah very quickly Trespassing almost alone.
0: Didn't go in, you know, didn't even announce himself. It was just bad. At least Lila was trying to be sneaky.
1: Yes. It, he quickly makes the wrong decisions and pays for it.
0: So Arbogast is the Night of the Living Pleb, and he's not a living pleb.
1: No. Quite, quite dead. All right. So
0: that's Psycho. So next up on that will be Psycho 2, which, um, when did that come out? Uh, 83. So 23 years later was Psycho 2.
1: That is quite the jump. I actually really uh, like Psycho Two. I think it's a really it, good movie. Is that that still has Anthony Perkins is in all three, correct? Uh,
0: oh yep, yeah, he's in all three sequels. Okay uh and then Lila is back in two as well.
1: Okay. So interesting.
0: So Psycho Two is gonna go on the wheel, also on there is Carrie. It from 2017, 30. A Quiet Place 2, Tremors 5, Bloodlines. Another Guemont pick is Cult of Chucky. The Scream Season 2 premiere, which is called I Know What You Did Last Summer. And Ghostbusters 2016.
1: A stacked wheel. Uh, kind of.
0: <laughs> In some spots.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, since we were doing this over Zoom, I will spin the wheel today. All right. All right. We got the Scream season two premiere episode one i know you did last summer that'll be next uh everyone's favorite we're getting into season two of the scream tv show luckily season two is better than season one so yay
1: how many seasons are there so far
0: three and it's over now there's only three oh it seasons. is
1: okay okay
0: um season one and three suck season two is f- okay
1: <laughs> okay well i'm i'm glad you're making your way into the good portion then
0: yeah it, it'll get better for a while and then it's gonna get real bad <laughs> season three is an abomination all right cool 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 uh thanks for doing this
1: yeah absolutely it was fun i look forward to continuing into psycho here i have not seen the sequels so it'll be interesting to kind of dissect those as a first time viewer
0: those will be fun and then of course
1: we'll continue with your chucky uh viewing party as we uh move on here yes we are cruising our way through that too because what cult is number seven
0: Yep, uh, no. Yep, and then there's eight, and then the TV show.
1: Wow, and the eight Crazy. is the remake.
0: So yeah, we're okay. getting to the end of the we're getting there.
1: Uh Do you have anything you want to plug today? I don't. I oh, don't. Right. I'm I'm just here to to have a good time. <laughs>
0: well, you can follow us on Twitter at HowToHorror and check us out on Letterboxd, uh where we're, uh, we'll review uh, we review every movie we watch, horror or otherwise. And there's actually a list on there where we rank every movie we ever cover on this podcast from best to worst, and Every movie covered by each correspondent. So there is a list of movies covered by Nicky Montana. They're ranked from best to worst. So We'll see where Psycho lands on that.
1: Hell yeah!
0: All right. Anything else, dude?
1: No, that's it for me. All
0: right. This has been the How to Survive a Horror Movie Podcast. Stay safe out there. <laughs>